Praise God. Starting with, um, with today's message, I'm going to start out by saying, how many know what the word wimp means? How many know what the word wimp means? Okay, a wimp is someone who is perceived as a, a weak person, one who lacks confidence, courage, etc. One that is timid, cowardly, or an ineffectual person. Okay, so when you think of a wimp, you don't think of someone that is too strong, you know, that is too, too forth, forthcoming and, and willing to, to really, you know, be bold and so forth. And then on the opposite side, what is a warrior? What is a warrior? So today's message is entitled, Wimp or Warrior? Wimp or Warrior? What, what are we? Amen. A warrior, or in particular a Christian warrior, is someone who is not afraid to pick up their cross and follow Christ. They know that to live is Christ and to die is gain, and they are willing to give what they cannot keep to gain what they cannot lose, meaning eternal life. They wake up every single morning prepared for battle, waging the war against sin and death so that all might come to life in Christ. They are fearless, unafraid. They boldly face persecution, ridicule, and even torture with unwavering faith and a steadfast heart. Okay, so now we see what a wimp is and we see what a Christian warrior is. Surprisingly, you know, everything that we say here has to be based on biblical fact. Surprisingly, we have a biblical example, one of, of, of many, of a biblical example of someone who acted somewhat as a wimp or acted timidly. Let's go to Ex- Exodus 3. Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. Okay. Wimp or a warrior? Which one are you? You know? And it's, uh, it's, it, it's so many times we say, uh, most people would say, I'm not a wimp. You know, I'm strong and I'm bold. Well, but then think about you being a warrior in Christ. You know, are you, are you a warrior? But we're going to look at both, at both today and try to figure out where we stand or where we should be at least. So in Exodus 3, let's look at chapter, uh, verse number 7. Exodus chapter 3, verse number 7. For one example of someone who is somewhat timid. Verse number 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my... This is, ta- this is the Lord talking to Moses. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. And have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land unto a a large and good land, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh. Come now, therefore, I will send thee to Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I, that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he said, Certainly I will be with thee. This shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. So we see here, this is in the first time here, we see that God, that, that Moses asked God, Well, who am I? So right, you know, God tells him, I have this task where you're going to go before Pharaoh. I mean, the highest guy in the land, the king of the land there. You're going to go before Pharaoh and you're going to set the people free. So God says, I'm going to be with you. And Moses said, well, who am I? So that's the first indication right there that Moses is somewhat hesitant, somewhat timid to think that he can do what God is asking him to do. Moses continues with this timidity. If you go forth into Exodus chapter 4. And starting with verse uh, number 1, Exodus 4, verse number 1. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. For they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground. It became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. 
got timid again, fled from before it. And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Joseph, of Jacob, has appeared unto thee. So before we go on, let's just pause for a moment. Now, right away in Moses, in, in uh, number one, he says, you know, that they will not believe me. You know, so many times we as Christians, when we go forth and thinking about are you a wimp or a warrior, are you bold enough to say, well, first of all, I'm speaking for what I know God would have me to do. I'm speaking for what God says in his word. I am a Christian. I am a child of God. And, 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 and people will not always believe what you're saying. You know, they say, well, how do you know? You know, I mean, what evidence do you have? You know, but we are not to be shrinking violets or we are not to become a wimp and all of a sudden start wimping out. Because God says, first of all, that he is going to be with you and he's going to give you evidence of who he says he is. All right. So, so we see here, then it continues in verse number 6. And the Lord said furthermore unto him, Put now thine hand unto thy bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. So his hand, his hand showed signs of leprosy. And he said, Put thine hand into thy bosom again. And he put his hand into his bosom again, and plucked it out of his bosom. And behold, it was turned again as was his other flesh. So he was healed. And it came, and it shall come to pass... If they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe also these two signs, neither hearken unto thy voice, that thou shalt take of the water of the river and pour it upon the dry land, and the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood upon the land. Alright, so now God again comes back and tells Moses, okay, I'm giving you two examples here to know that I am God and what you you ought to say, and you should be bold and speak forth boldly in me. And he says, and, and this is what's going to happen. And we know with, with the plagues and the river turned to blood and so on like that. But what does this have to do with today's sermon? What does it have to do with today's message? We're living in an age where some would like to intimidate Christians and silence the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're living in a time where some would like to silence your testimony coerce you into doing things that you know is not in line with the word of God, change your way of thinking, and push things upon you which could compromise your faith, or even wind up preventing God from giving you the things that he wants to give you. We're living in an age where, as a child of God, your very word is being challenged. Your very foundational belief structure is being threatened, and, 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 uh, and, and people want to destroy it. Some will try to put obstacles in your way, or give you things to do that you know is not right in the sight of God, but yet try to get you to do it anyway, or to take a particular stance or position anyway, even though you are protesting against it. So therefore, in this day and age, we must know what is the right thing to do, okay? You can't keep quiet and do what we know God would not want you to do simply because you want to satisfy those who are are putting pressure on you or simply because you want to give in, you see. And in this day and age, we see it happening around you. And I'm not going to get get political, but we know what's going on in the newspapers today because this is not a political political item. It's not political at all. It's Christians being uh, persecuted where the um, county clerk refused to give out those marriage licenses, same-sex marriage licenses, and she stood her ground. And when she challenged, when she was challenged and said, by whose authority do you decide not to do that? She boldly said, by God's authority. By God's authority. When they threatened her furthermore, she stood her ground and they ultimately threw her in prison where she is to this day as I am here speaking. We will see this happening more and more as we Christians go through this life as Jesus continues to tarry. So are you going to be a wimp or are you going to be a Christian warrior? How bold are you going to be in terms of standing for what you know is right? Are you afraid or are you bold? And then what are we to be afraid of? Let's go to Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28. We 
see this manifesting in, in so many ways. If you don't bake a cake, you know, if you, if you don't do this, if you don't think the way I think, um, even though it's not in line with God's word, uh, people are being challenged, you know. Now, would you be bold enough, you know, and some people are, are likening um, this woman in Kentucky, they're likening her to, uh, to Martin Luther King, you know, who, who was, was jailed for his, for his beliefs and for what he was knowing was to do, right? Uh, even more Christian related, he was, uh, she's being likened uh, to Daniel, as we know, who was thrown in the line of dens, the den of, uh, uh, the, the den of lions, uh, because of the fact he would not give in to Nebuchadnezzar's uh, wishes or commands to bow down and worship him. So in this day and age, you know, we do not know how far this is going to go in our lifetimes, but, but as you, as a child of God, in the circles in which you run, where you are, if you are challenged, how bold are you going to be? How willing are you? You know, what is there to be afraid of? We as Christians do not have that fear. The Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Go to Proverbs 28, verse number 1. Just this one verse. The wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Please underline that or highlight it. The wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. People that, that, that are, are, are wicked... Um, they flee when even there's no reason to flee. You know, they flee from their shadows. They flee because of the fact they don't have the, um, they don't have the, the spiritual, what can I say, reinforcement of knowing that God is with them, that, that God is, is in them. Holy Spirit, Jesus, Jesus is in them. So they flee even when no one is chasing them. So we, as children of God, do we get nervous at every single little bump in the night, every single little shadow? Do we get nervous simply because someone says, you must do this and you must do that, even though it's not in line with God's word, okay? So are you, you a wimp or a warrior? Sometimes we run in fear of others when there is no reason to fear, you know? And how many times do we as Christians even, we get so nervous and uptight when there's something going on in our lives that may be giving us a difficult time, how many of us run in fear, you see? And that running in fear does not necessarily mean that you actually pick up and you start physically running, but running in fear if something is not going the way you want it to go or something is not happening right, running is fears by you getting anxious, by anxiety building up, by you getting worried, tightness in the chest and everything else like that, losing sleep at night, that's you running in fear. So are you a wimp or are you bold as a lion? Are you bold enough to take that situation, to take that thought and cast it out in the name of Jesus Christ? To tell that person who is, who is giving you a hard time, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke that thought. And I submit to you that in this day and age, as times continue the way they are, are coming, you know, where they are going, many times we may think that, okay, well, any threat, quote-unquote, any threat um, against me living my life as a child of God is going to come from somebody else, will come from a stranger, you know, will come from the authorities, will come from this, will come from that. And I submit to you today that those threats for you living a godly life and doing exactly what the Word of God says doesn't have to be from a stranger. It can come from someone you know. It can come from a friend. It can come from a family member. You know, where a thought or an action is being placed upon you to do that which you know is not in line with the Word of God. All right? Because not everyone is being driven. Not everyone's actions are in line with the Word of God. Not everyone's thought processes or the things that they say to you are in line with the Word of God. But it's our responsibility to know the Word of God and to be bold enough to say to them, I don't care who they are, to say to them, that's not what God would want me to do. That's not what God would want me to believe. Right? I refuse to behave the way you're telling me to behave. I refuse to think or give in to what you want me to think. The Word of God clearly outlines what I should be doing in this situation. The Word of God clearly tells me that I don't have to worry about the future. The Word of God tells me that I don't have to worry about where money's going to come from, food's going to come from, because God is going to care for me. Amen? So are we a wimp or are we a lion? Are we going to be bold? All right? We have been filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. So we should be bold. Everyone sitting in this sanctuary has been filled and empowered by Holy Spirit. So there's no reason why you should fear or, or, or be challenged when someone challenges your faith. And it's going to happen. It's going to happen, you know. And especially if you're moving in the workplace and in the public eye or even in the neighborhood, in the stores for that matter, there will be people that will be saying things to you that will be, uh, be counter to what the Word of God says. 
There will be people that will try to sow fear into your mind that you're not going to succeed. You're not going to get this job. You're not going to get that. You're not going to be able to do do those things that you want to do. And then when you tell them what God says, they will try to challenge you. They will try to say, oh, well, how do you know that's true? How do you know that that is indeed a fact? They will try to, to shut your mouth. When you start bringing them truths... When you start telling them deep spiritual Christian truths, they will try to get you to shut shut your mouth. I don't want to hear that anymore. Don't you be talking about that. I'm tired of you spouting that Bible talk. I'm tired of you spouting that Jesus talk. You see, they will try to shut you down. In this day and age especially, I see it happening more and more and more. So how bold are you going to be to stand up for what you know God would want you to do? We've got the holiday season coming around again. You know, how bold are we going to be? You know, when everything already, I see the Halloween stuff popping up in the costumes and everything else like that. Where you're going to be coerced into trying and think about Halloween and participating. I say to all Christians that have young kids today, young children today, to really be on their P's and Q's. To really be aware and understand what the Word of God says says about the occult and and to be bold enough not because not just because the world is going along with it or everyone else in school is doing it and you have a child in school you be bold enough to tell that teacher that we do not we do not recognize that holiday we do not acknowledge that holiday our children don't participate when you're threatened and when you're pressured how bold are we to give in You've got parties coming up during the holiday season where there's all sorts of participation that's involving ungodly things or things that God would not have us involved in. Heavy drinking and and now that so many drugs are becoming legal and whatnot and everyone else is doing it, do we as Christians simply follow along because everyone else is saying to do it? Simply because the Supreme Court rules that something is okay or something is, is in line with the law now does not mean that it's in line with God's law. And that's the law, the only law that we are obedient to. It's God's law. But we see this happening more and more and more. Amen? So how bold are we going to be to stand up and to do what we know that God is telling us to do? Let's go to the book of Acts. Let's go to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. And we're going to start with verse number one. You know, I've seen people that are bold. And you can even take this out of the Christian context into just even just a regular secular context. I've seen people that are so bold when you've got the majority on their side. Okay? It's easy to be bold then. It's easy to be bold when you've got a whole crowd that's speaking the same thing that you're speaking. It's real bold to put your foot on the ground and raise your fist and say, Yeah, I believe, I believe, I believe, when you've got the whole crowd saying that. Okay? But the minute all of a sudden those that are in agreement with you start shifting to the other side, start shifting over to something else, and you look around behind you and maybe you're the only one that's standing there, you know, We've all heard, you know, you've heard the old expression about you've got everyone lined up in a line and so forth. And the military and the sergeant says, who volunteers? And they wait for someone to step forward. Whoever volunteers, step forward. And everyone stands still. But then 30 some odd people behind one guy all of a sudden step back. And he's the only one left standing forward. So then he winds up getting volunteered, you know. So it is in life many times, and especially when it comes down to Christian things and things of God. There may be a whole lot of people that are in agreement, a whole crowd of folks that are saying, yay, we stand for God, we stand for God, we stand for God. But as those people start falling away, and as those people start falling into man's rules, into man's laws, and saying, well, you know, it's the law of the land, it's the law of the land, and you have to go along, we have to go along with it. The Bible, God speaks very much about us not breaking the law. It, the Bible talks a lot about us observing and doing what the king, quote-unquote, would have us to do. Amen. Except for when it's telling you to go against what God wants you to do. Amen. Amen. Nebuchadnezzar made it the law 
that all in the land would bow down and worship that huge statue. That was the law. He signed a decree which made it the law, which is kind of similar, if you will, to the Supreme Court in this land signing a law into effect. That became a law. Daniel would be willing to keep the law of the land, except in this particular case, he... Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was telling Daniel to bow down and to worship someone other than God. And that's where the separation came in. That's where Daniel said, no, enough is enough. So in today's age, right now, there may be a whole lot of people, your family members, your friends, or the folks that you run with in your circle, that maybe agree with you in terms of your Christian faith, in terms of what you believe in God. But if time continues to go on, and the Bible says that in the end times that even the very elect may be deceived, okay, even those people that are strong believers may be deceived, the Bible also talks away the apostasy or the falling away of the church, where there will be many in the church that will be falling away from what God says to do. So how bold are you going to be to stand firm? Even though those that were with you and were around you, that were agreeing with you, be they friends, be they family members, people you work with or whatever it might be, um, right now maybe they're in agreement with you, but what if and when they start falling away and start being uh, more following the other side? Are you still going to be bold enough to stand your own? If your friends and your family all of a sudden start telling you, you know, well, it was okay for you to think or believe that at one time, but look around you. Look what everyone else is doing. Look what the law is telling you to do. Don't be foolish. You know, you need to change. You know, this is modern times. The way you are thinking is still hanging on to Old Testament times, the Old New Testament, New Testament biblical times. That was 2,000 years ago. Society has evolved. Society has, has changed. Society used to believe that certain things were wrong, but now society has changed. It's evolved. People believe that so-and-so is the case, so it's about time that you changed. It's about time that God changed. It's about time that the church changed. God said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. God does not change. So that means what he requires of us does not change. I don't care whether it's, whether it's you know, 1000 B.C. or whether it's the year 2015. God is the same and expects the same thing of us today as he did of us to them, back then. Man thinks that man, that God should change to fit in line with man's evolution or man's sociological change. All right. That just because society says at one time we didn't think that one time we thought this was wrong. But now all of a sudden, you know, 70, 80 percent of the country of the United States agrees that so and so and so is right. Well, God's law didn't change. So I don't care if 99.9% of the population in the United States changes and thinks that something is right. If it's not in line with the God's law, then I'm going to be that only 0.1% that's going to not go along with it. Because the word of God is what means something to us. That's what matters. Okay? All right? So we see things changing around us. We need to be prepared for that. And you need to ask yourself, how bold am I willing to be? How bold am I going to be to tell a family member? When the whole family starts jumping up and down and starts telling you, well, gee whiz, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. You mean to say you're not going to have some, you're not going to do this, you're not going to do that? Say, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. We just won't do it. My wife and I stopped um, partaking, partaking of drink many, 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 many years ago. Many years ago. Okay? And family members didn't understand why. Didn't understand why. That didn't change us any. We still, we, we stuck to our guns. We stuck to our guns. And now they accept it, they know it, and they don't even try to get us to even to drink anything else like that. They know it. They, they know that's a part of our fiber. Amen? It's part of our life. It is us, you see? So, there may be family members, there may be those that are close to you that will try to tempt you into going along with the program to change the way you think. And matter of fact, it even start telling you, well, you know, when you come to the house, um, if you can leave that Jesus talk outside, you know, we don't need to talk about it, bring it up into every conversation. You know, you, you talk about God too much, and, you know, you, 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 can, you can leave it aside. So, so how bold are you going to be? Are you bold enough to say, if the Holy Spirit tells me to say something, that's, that's what I'm going to say? I don't care who's in this house, all right? If God is telling me to say something or to take a certain action, that's what I'm going to say, and that's what I'm going to do. I don't care who is in this house. Are you bold enough to do that? Or are you going to give in? Or are you going to give in? 
Jesus talks about, the Bible talks about dusting the sandal off your shoes, the sand off your, your sandals and moving on. Okay? If I'm involved and around people that just do not want to hear what it is that I have to say in, in line with God's word, then maybe it's time for me to move on. Amen? Amen? If I'm living and, and I go to you know, vacation, let's just say, in someone's house, and, and there's all sorts of stuff that's going on there that's counter to the Word of God, and I'm telling them what the Word of God says about that, those particular activities, and they're trying to tell me to shut up and getting angry and things like that, or maybe it's time to pack my bags and say, I'll spend the rest of my visit in a hotel. Maybe it's time for me to leave and move on. Amen? Because if they're going to be accepting that sort of demonic activity or anything else that's going on that's counter to God, you don't know what kind of door they may be opening. Alright? And you don't want to be there if all hell was to break loose and fall on that household. So maybe it's time for you to shake the dust off your sandals and just move on. Just move on. You know? And there have been people like that that I've come in, I've come in contact with, both friends and family members, who were just going in a certain direction. And at a point in time, I had to make a decision to separate myself. As simple as that. Separate myself. And, and that, that's, that's what I did. Separated myself, you know, and sometimes they come back around. I pray for them. I still love them and I pray for them and things like that, but I refuse to be around them and partake of what they are partaking of because you don't know what kind of spiritual door they may be opening. By, by also, you know, you gotta be careful about rejecting God's word. You gotta be careful, you see, because many people don't realize could be a family member, it could be a friend, that by you talking about God, by you saying the things that Holy Spirit may be telling you to say, they don't realize that maybe God sent you their way for their benefit. So here you got a friend or a family member that is telling you to shut up and don't talk about this Jesus, stop all that Jesus talk, by them rebuking you that way, okay? You don't know where their life is heading. You don't know where there may come a point in time when they, on that judgment day, you know, when they haven't given themselves to the Lord and they try to say, oh, I never knew, I never knew, I never knew, I never knew. God will most likely look at them and say, remember that day that I sent your cousin so-and-so? Remember that day when your daughter came by and said so-and-so? Remember that day, remember that day, remember that day, and you rejected me. You told them to shut up. You told them don't talk about Jesus anymore. You see? So they don't know when they're telling you as a child of God to stop this God talking, to stop this kind of behavior, that maybe God sent you there for them, for their sakes. Amen? So after you've done your part, whatever you do, don't let yourself be silenced. Don't let yourself be silenced. You be bold enough to keep on speaking it. All right? You do what God wants you to do because then it's not on your head. You tried. You did what God wanted you to do. If they further just refuse to hear you or don't want to accept you, shake the dust off your sandals and just move on. And I don't care who they may be. You know, oh, that's my so-and-so, that's my so-and-so, I love him, I love him, I love him. You love them as you move on. Love them and pray for them as you move on. You cannot compromise yourself and stop talking about God when the Holy Spirit is telling you to. You can't compromise yourself by thinking the way they think. You can't compromise yourself by doing what they want you to do simply because they want you to do it. God is first and foremost in your life. God is first and foremost. Amen. So getting back to Scripture again, because everything we do here has to be according to Scripture. Um, Acts 4, verse number 1. And as they spoke unto the people... The priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. You see, these, these, are, uh, these Sadducees and so forth, they were upset that they were talking about Jesus. And they laid hands on them and put them in, in custody until the next day, for it was now eventide. But many of them who heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. Just to pause there for a moment, you see it says that they were talking about the Lord. Okay, but the, but the priests of the temple, the captain of the temple and the Sadducees, now these were the Jewish people who were um, of, of, the, of the Jewish belief, and they were not accepting what Jesus was talking about. 
they were not accepting the quote unquote the, the, the Christian the good news of the gospel they were still hung up and stuck on their old Jewish beliefs and you know you know looking at scripture you know what God spoke about them about how they were doing called them vipers and so on like that because they were not living godly lives the way they claimed they were living you know they, they were living lives that kept them pumped kept them puffed up in, 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 in royalty and all that sort of thing and they thought of themselves as being uh, uh, greater than everyone else and not doing what, what God really wanted them to do Jesus' message was entirely different what the apostles the disciples were talking about was an entirely different message and so now they were upset because people were starting to believe what the apostles were saying about Jesus and about and Jesus' message so they were upset so when they say they laid hands it means that they captured him they didn't lay hands on him in prayer <laughs> this is talking about they laid hands on him in terms of locking them up verse number 4 again but many of them who heard the word believed and the number of the men was about 5,000 verse number 5 and it came to pass on the next day that their rulers and elders and scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem so now that's all these big muckety mucks okay all gathered together at Jerusalem and when they had set them in the midst they asked by what power or by what name have you done this then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit on the line, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said unto them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made well, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you well. Okay, please underline all of that. Okay, they were really upset because they had healed this. Uh, they had healed this man. Um, this uh, uh, person who was uh, lame and so on. And so he's. He's telling them, Peter's telling them, by the name of Jesus Christ, who you crucified, who God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand before you well. This is the stone which was set at naught as you builders, of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among them, among men, whereby we must be saved. Un please underline that. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness, underline boldness, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, please underline unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Now, going back here to verse number 8, it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, okay, when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, that's when he started speaking with all of this boldness. You see, you have Holy Spirit in you. Same Holy Spirit that filled Peter, you have in you. Amen? So there's no reason why you should not be bold. When he was being challenged by these people here, he came back and he said, he spoke boldly about the name of Jesus of Nazareth, that you crucified, and who God raised from the dead, and even by him, this man stands here healed. So that means that, the Holy Spirit that is in you, we should be, be willing to proclaim loudly. He is the one that brings forth the miracles. He is the one that is, is in charge. You know, God is indeed in charge of everything that happens on this planet. You know, and, and we cannot be, be afraid to speak that forth. Holy Spirit emboldened Peter. And the same way Holy Spirit will, will embolden you. When you are being challenged by someone... Again, that friend, that person you work with, that family member, or whoever it is, you know, you ask God for the words, you know, and you don't have to say, hold that thought, you know, and go, I'm, I got to go out to the car to get my Bible, and then come back with your Bible and get down on your knees and start praying. You simply ask Lord, ask the Lord, Lord, give me the words to say. Let Holy Spirit do the talking through you. Let him fill you, all right? And you will have this boldness that you will, you will bring forth such profound things that it makes it very hard for these people to argue with you. Because ultimately what they want to do is to shut you up. They, they want to make you look bad. You know, what do they do? They, they, they gathered Peter and them and threw them in the midst of themselves and started throwing question, questions at them, you see. And I don't know if you've ever been there, but I've certainly been in positions where, um, where there were several people who were trying to throw things at me, you know, to negate God's word or to make 
make me look bad or, or to, to make my point a moot point, you know, or to make it seem like what he's saying doesn't make sense, you see. And Holy Spirit always stepped in and gave me the words to say. And because of the fact I don't care, I was committed in my spirit that I don't care what they say to me, they're not going to change my mind. You know, I don't care what they say to me, I am not going to leave this place with me thinking the way they think. I was already committed to that, you see, so all God has to do is then give you the words to say, you see. And the same way that God, that Holy Spirit filled Peter, the same way will be what God will do the same thing for you. It continues on in verse number 13 and says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, understand boldness again, and proceed, oh I'm sorry, unlearned men and so on, uh, these were men without formal education, by the way. Okay, uh, ignorant men, they marveled, they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Verse 14, and beholding the man who was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. So the man that they had healed was standing right there with them, so they certainly couldn't argue that this person was healed. But when they said, when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves. So they started talking amongst themselves, saying, what shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle has been done by them is manifest to all those who dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. Please in the line, and we cannot deny it. So now they're talking amongst themselves and they're kind of perplexed because they're saying, what shall we say? What, shall we, what can we say and do? This man obviously was healed. We can't deny that. The man was healed. We can't deny it. Okay. Verse 17. But that it spread no further among the people, let us threaten them. That they speak henceforth to no man in, in this name. Okay, so what they're saying there in verse 17, and please underline all of this, so that it spreads no further among the people. Let us threaten Peter and them and tell them that they shall, going forward, they shall not speak any more about this name or speak any more about Jesus. You see, here they are, they have a miracle that they can't deny. They have a good thing that was done. So now they're conspiring to themselves. Let's threaten them. Let's try to make them afraid and tell them, you go forth and you speak no more of Jesus. All right? So then you ask yourself, you know, wimp or warrior. If someone said to you, from here on in, you go forth and you speak no more about this Jesus. You don't talk about the good things that Jesus did in your life. You know, everyone sitting in this sanctuary has at some time or another been blessed by God. You've had a miracle, you've had things happen in your life that you can't quite explain, but you know that God had a hand in it. If someone said to you, from here on going forward, you go forward and you don't you ever mention this Jesus name again, and don't tell anyone about the good things that God did for you, how would you feel? Man, I would be so infuriated. I would say, how dare you tell me to try to stifle me from talking about my God? From talking about my Lord and Savior, that to whom, to whom I owe everything that I am. I owe my very existence. Every single breath that I take, I owe to him. And you're going to tell me to stop mentioning him? I would be so infuriated. Amen? But you stop and you ask yourselves and look around you. And you look at and and, and, and shamefully so. And, I, and I, I feel so bad in even saying this though. But how many children of God in the church today willingly do that? How many people in church today, in, in the body of Christ, you know, are, are almost becoming closet Christians because they are afraid to stand forth and speak about who they are in Christ Jesus? Or if they do get into a discussion, the minute that someone starts putting on the pressure, you know, then all of a sudden they start folding. They start giving in. Well, yeah, you may be right, you know. Well, yeah, that's true. This is 2015. And when God first talked about that, that was like 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years ago. Yeah, you may be right. Maybe it's not that important anymore. Yeah, that, 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 that's true. Oh, yeah, marijuana. Oh, yeah, it, it's legal. Yeah, that's right. So if they thought it, they were wise enough to make it legal and whatnot, and, and it's not a gateway drug. It won't do anything else to you. It's okay. It's okay. And it's not harmful. It's, I mean, if, if, if the court said that it was okay to smoke it and to sell it, then it must be okay. Um, yeah, so the, maybe the Bible is a little bit too strict, you know. So they're telling you, don't speak anymore. Don't think about Don't do what God would have you to do. What you know that God would want you to do. So here they're telling them, from henceforth, don't you speak anymore on, on this name. Verse 18, And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. Now, just pause and just ask yourself, if someone told you that, I don't want you to go forth forevermore and even speak about Jesus, how would you feel? I mean, how would you respond? You know? Would you have this feeling, how dare you tell me that? You know, I don't care whether you're my boss, 
I don't care whether you threaten me with my job, but how dare you tell me do not speak the name of Jesus? You know? So they, oh, well, if they fire you, what are you going to do? Well, look what happened to Daniel. Look what happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay? They were threatened with their lives. But they stood strong. So when they threaten you with your job or anything else that they may be threatening you with, well, if you don't do this, you're going to lose your job or you're going to do this. Don't you think that if you stand in the name of God and you stand up for God, you think that God is going to throw you under the bus, as they say? You think God is going to let you just go down the drain for standing up for him? Nay, not so. Not so. Not in, a, not in a million years. Amen? So if you're bold enough to stand up for God, and I don't care what winds up happening to you. Yeah, I don't care if it is my job. Okay, I will respect the boss. I'll respect the Constitution. I will respect this. I'll do that. The, the, the company policies, um, the family history, the family traditions. That's fine. I respect that. But now you're telling me to no longer speak of God? To no longer mention Jesus? I'm sorry. I'm not going there. Oh, I guess we'll have to throw you off the job. I guess we'll have to disown you out of the family. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you for disowning me. Because if this family is going in that direction where they're no longer going to allow anyone to speak of God, to, to call Jesus' name, then I don't want to be identified with that family. All right? Okay? All right? Because now all of a sudden, if I'm identified with them, I'm wearing their uniform. All right? If this country was all of a sudden to be overrun by Russian troops or some other army and, and everyone in this country wore Americans arm, wore America's military clothing, anyone that landed on these shores and saw you dressed in that military clothing of the United States assumes that you are a member of that army. Because you're dressed like them and you're acting like them and you're behaving like them. Amen? So to the forces of darkness, if you're taking on the same clothing as your family members or as your company who is demanding that you strike out the name of Jesus in your conversation, then you're the same thing as, as, you're just like them. You're just like them. And the devil makes no distinction. So if I got a family that wants to disown me for speaking about God and calling the name of Jesus, thank you, thank you. Because when the time gets tough and the enemy starts coming at you, I do not, look, I do, I do not want to look like you at all. Okay, for a company that's telling you to silence your voice, do not speak the name of Jesus. And if you do, don't do so. If you don't stop it, I'm I'm going to fire you. Well, thank you then, because maybe I don't need to be here. Because where you are going and where you're trying to get people to go is counter to the word of God. I do not need to be a part of that. And as a result of that, God will smile upon you and God will bless you for being bold enough to stand up for what he knows uh, 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 you should be doing and what you acknowledge God in doing. Amen. Amen. So in verse 18 again, and he called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it is right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge you. Underline that. Whether it is right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge you. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Underline that too. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Can you deny what you've seen and heard of God? Can you deny what has happened in your life? Can you deny what you know about God? All right. Okay, so what they're saying there in verse number 19, whether it is right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, well, you judge that, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Verse 21, so when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them, because of, because of the people. For all men glorified God for, wit, for that which was done. All right? So they had no other choice but to let them go, because everyone saw the miraculous work that was done. You see, so how could the people speak against that they they had done anything wrong? Here a man was lame, and in the name of Jesus he was healed. So they had no grounds upon which to further persecute them, you see. But they were certainly trying, and they were certainly telling them, or trying to tell them, to go forth and don't speak the name of Jesus anymore. Amen? Okay, so um, verse number... um, 21 again, so when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. For the man man was above 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing was shown. And being let go, they went to their own company 
and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. Please in the line that. When they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. And again, here they being a one accord means that they were all in agreement. They were all in agreement. Amen. You see there the importance of us being in agreement on one accord. And said, Lord, thou art God who has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is, that is in them is. Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the nations rage and the peoples imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. Underline that. The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. If you don't think you see that going on today, look around you. Look at how there's a concentrated effort to get God taken out of the conversation, out of the statues. They don't want um, uh, 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 stone carvings of the uh, Ten Commandments, uh, um, anything to do with Christianity. They're trying to obliterate and wipe out those steel beams that, that were remaining at the World Trade Center that were miraculously um, um, in the form of a cross. They wanted to do away with that and have it taken down. They were every single semblance of God just taken out of our lives altogether. So we see the same thing happening today. You know, and that's even more reason when people try to say that this is 2015, it's not 3,000 years ago, you know, it, things have changed, things have not changed, not at all. Not at all. The agenda that we see out there today is very much the same agenda that we saw Satan at um, with, with ancient civilizations trying to, to, to um, uh, blot out the name of, of Christ and trying to undo any sort of Christian belief in faith. Verse 27 says, For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the nations and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. Please underline that. And Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that they with all boldness may speak thy word. By stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken before they were assembled together. It was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Please underline that. And they were all filled with Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. This is what the church needs today. This is what the church needs today. You see, you see what they prayed, you know. They prayed for, for boldness, you know. And I think that that's something that we need to do. And we as individuals every day, as we're saying our morning prayers and we're about to start our day, that we should pray for boldness. Ask the Lord to give you boldness as you go out into the world. Because you just never know what's going what's to come across your path. You don't know what kind of conversations you may wind up having. You don't know what may crop up in your family's lives, you know, that will, will challenge your faith. You know, so we need to pray constantly for boldness. Lord, give me boldness, you know. And, and, and you should have that same boldness, the same way God showed Moses when he was starting out there on that mountainside there and showed him, you, you know, take up this, take up this, this uh, uh, staff and so on, and I will be with you, I will go with you, knowing that God is going to be with you. The way things are going in this country and in this world, with the decisions that are being made by men that are in very powerful places, that's changing the course of history. Changing the course of history, you see, God has to intervene. And if we are bold enough, and we need to be bold in him so that we can be made, so that, so that we can be protected, man is making some very, very bad decisions, very bad decisions. More importantly, they're against the will of God. They're against the word of God. Amen. So we need to make sure that we're praying for, for boldness. Um, it said again in verse 29 again, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. Look at what they're saying. Okay. We need to be praying, Lord, behold their threatenings. Lord, behold what's happening in the world today. Lord, behold that the decisions that are being made. Lord, look, look at how they're trying to get everything, uh, everything dealing with you out of the schools. Look at how they're teaching our children. Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto your servants. Grant us that with all boldness, Lord, that I may speak your word. 
by stretching forth your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the Holy Child Jesus. We need to see more, more signs and wonders. You know, my, oftentimes my prayer is, Lord, why don't you just shake them up? Why don't you just remind them, let them see who they're messing with, you know. Lord, just shake them up, you know. 31, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of those that believed were of, of one heart. Again, they were on one accord. All those that believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them... Uh, any of them that any of the things which he possessed was his own but they all had things common and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all neither was there any among them that lacked for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the priests, bought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Okay, so we see here that with their boldness, God still blessed them all and they were able to do everything that was needed to be done. And the key here, the whole message is that you need to ask yourself almost on a daily basis, are you a wimp or are you a warrior? You know, how bold are you going to be for standing up for what the Word of God says that you should do? You know, and I don't care where the pressure is coming from, you know, because the devil is, is insidious, he's crafty, he knows that if you get pressure to deny Jesus or, or stop speaking about the Word of God from a very obvious place, that you obviously you won't do it. You know, you know, someone's just walk up to you and just challenge you to stop speaking about Jesus that you wouldn't do it. So he'll be very subtle and come through someone that you know or someone else in your environment to get you to cease the name of Jesus. He'll get you to a point where you, you'll stop listening to the word of God. You'll stop reading the Bible. You'll stop praying. You'll, you'll, you'll stop spending time with God alone so that you know his voice, you see. And one of the most dangerous things about us spending time alone without God is that when we we have problems and issues come into our lives. We don't know how to deal with them. You see? We don't know how to deal with them. You can't have anything. You can't go through anything in life without God. So if you're not spending time with God, if you're not believing on what God is telling you, and you're not hearing God's voice, when those challenges and things come into your life, you don't know how to deal with them. You see? And then what we wind up doing, because we're not spending time with God, and because we're not being reminded, because we're not spending time with God, that... That, that, that God has all the answers and that God is with you, that then we wind up going to other people for the answers or we wind up being thrown in front of other people where they are, they are more than willing, especially if they're not godly people, to give us the advice that we don't need. To give us all sorts of things and say things that we don't need to hear. So you need to make sure that you're staying in the word of God, that you're spending time with God, so that when those start telling you, like in the Bible here, you need to stop talking about God so much. You need to stop so much of this Jesus talk. Amen. That you will recognize where it's coming from and that you will take actions accordingly. All right? Because otherwise you'll wind up uh, making the wrong decisions and taking the wrong paths. Amen. So ask yourself again, you know, in, in closing here, um, you know, and Am, am, I, am I a timid person? Am I a wimp? Or am indeed I, I a warrior? Because as you go forth in this world, as things continue to go in the direction that they are, um, trust me when I say this, or trust the word of God when I say this, that you will indeed be challenged. The time will come. So how bold will you be? Amen? Amen? I pray this message has been a blessing to you. And now, before we close, let us honor God with our tithes and offerings.